From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against them, right? Evan Novi williams Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Mike Oresco, he's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Sachman. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And let's start... There's Phil Mickelson, Tiger Talk. See what I did? I, I did. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, Tiger Talk, That's I guess is a new show or something. Anyway, but as our golfers, they are thinking again of having a, another uh, match televised. By the way, hold on, Barr. Were you talking about the Tiger King? Oh. I think yeah. he was talking about Tiger King. I think it was Yeah, he's like, Tiger. there's Tiger Talk, there's a new show. That, uh. that was the best example of you being totally out of the mainstream, <laughs> and I've never been happier. I think there's a new show called Tiger Talk. <laughs> Isn't that a magazine? <laughs> yeah. Tiger Beat, Tiger Talk, or Tiger King. I'm, I'm so glad you're right up on your, on your stuff there. But, I got, but you know what? It is a good segue, Bar. I'm going to give you credit because it's showing that people are thirsting for different content right now. They're at home. There's no sports to watch. And with a little tip of the cap to all the sports networks that are giving us classic games and all other kinds of programming. Uh, if you can get Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson on the course live, mic'd up, I'm going to guess that a whole lot of eyeballs will watch this. And Eben, why don't you tell everybody how we know or we think this is a possibility? Yeah, it seems like this. This whole the reason we know this may be happening is that a fan kind of suggested this exact thing to Phil Mickelson on Twitter, and he responded, working on it. Mm. Uh, so at least if you believe, you know, that tweet, these conversations are happening, I think it makes total sense, you know, as we talked about last week, guys, you know, we want to see athletes out there more, and, and you can, in some sports, and golf is one of them, you can maybe do that in an easier fashion. You know, you're not going to get LeBron James playing you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo one-on-one, but golf makes this very, very simple. And these guys have done it before, as you said, Scott. 2018, over over Thanksgiving, they did that, you know, $9 million head-to-head event on uh, on Turner. You know, there were some problems with the stream, the, the, the ratings as a result. It was free for a while. Kind of unclear exactly how popular that event was. But when there's nothing else going on, and you can hold a safe sporting event with two of the biggest global sports stars in the world. Uh, that seems like a no-brainer right now. How about giving me Federer versus Nadal somewhere right now? I'll take five sets of that, right? Tennis is another one of the activities you can do safely. Bar, would you watch it? 
Yes, I would. You can, in fact, you can take any sport. I mean, I, I know I'm going to sound crazy, but <laughs> you can do this with bowling. You can do this with anything. Is is you know one on one like this it, that would work. I would think, Bar, with your history with bowling, that you would do your best to not bring it up. <laughs> but for new listeners that maybe weren't with the show when it started, would you tell them why perhaps? Bowling brings a tear to your eye. The first time, everyone, people know that a 300 game is a perfect game. 12 strikes in a row. And the first time I got in that position, I threw the first 11 and uh, threw the shot and uh, left the Greek church, which is a five-pin split, 295. <laughs> I said, the next time I ever get in this position again, I'm, I'm not going to be nervous. I'm just going to throw it and execute the shot. So here we are again, 11 in a row. And I'm like, I threw it, and I said, this is it. Get the champagne. And it left just a solid nine pin. And that's 299 is the story of my life. It hurts me. It hurts me to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never will forget where I was. It was three in, lanes three and four at Thunder Bowl Lanes in the arena. I'll never forget that. There I cried we go. That's I love the it. Greek church. I like the lingo there. Well, it, well, the Greek church, that happened at the old Taylor Lanes. That's it's three on one side and two on the other. And that was, it was a mess, but, (laughs) (laughs) but the, but the one at Thunderbolt, that was the one where I thought, man, we're going to celebrate with steaks tonight, fellas. And nope, didn't even happen. Ah, You should have gone and celebrated anyway. You deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. Not crying. You know who deserves praise also? We pick on him or answer. Well, we don't pick on him, but people pick on him a lot. Jim Dolan. And we all know the owner of the Knicks and Rangers and CEO of MSG. He gets a lot of grief, but Jim Dolan, and I hear this from a lot of people either work for him now or have worked in the past for him. They say they understand the public side and they understand the criticism, but they do say that Jim is one of the most loyal people that they know. We don't get to see that side of him all that much in the public, but Jim Dolan is one of the owners who has stepped up and said he will pay his workers throughout the virus-related shut down. So counter to maybe the public persona, but uh, Jim Dolan deserves some credit for this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always hard when these announcements come out to, to, to fully break down how big a deal this is. So roughly what Jim has said is that at all of his venues, you know, which includes Madison Square Garden, but also Radio City, the Hulu Theater, um, event staff are going to be paid through, I believe it's May 3rd, uh, which is an extra month versus what he had said Originally, um, there's some fine print in here. It looks like it's only workers who averaged at least 20 hours per week over the last six months. So I have no idea. I don't, I don't know enough about the way these workers work to know if that is 85% of the event staff or if that is 10% of the event staff. Um, but, you know, given that caveat, yes, no question. There are, at, there are owners, and we talked about them last week, that are doing a lot less than this. Uh, the fact that, that Jim Dolan, who's a, a billionaire a few times over, the fact that he is doing this, I think, uh, bodes well for him. And, and and potentially, as we talked about last week as well, maybe has an effect on the perception of him and the perception of his teams once everything's back to normal. I just want to say, too, by the way, we need to send get well wishes to Mr. Dolan also because he tested mm-hmm. positive for the coronavirus. And uh, now, according to a, a statement, he is uh, – He's in self-isolation, and he showed little to no symptoms. So from what we're getting, uh, he is doing okay, but please get well soon. Absolutely, Barton. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. 
But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Looking forward, I mean, you have to wonder, what are these leagues doing? There will be a return to some semblance of normalcy. What it'll look like, and we don't have an exact date yet, but everybody's looking ahead to a time when... Can we return to work? Will people go back to the office? Can they return to the court, the rink? But they're all going about it in different ways, lots of scenarios. But one thing they all have in common, Eben, is that everybody's looking at, at doing this, this bubble-type theory where maybe we can bring the league, all the players, all the teams, to one central spot where they can be shielded and protected, hermetically sealed, if you will, and begin play because as you and I and Barb talked about, this is about getting games on TV because that's the real cash cow. Yeah, it's funny. This idea, it, it sounds great in principle. Um, it also sounds like the kind of thing that would come up on a Reddit thread at, at two in the morning. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. And I believe, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think at least the basketball league in China, or maybe some of the other leagues in China, were kind of exploring this exact idea. It's a much harder thing to do than it than it sounds like, and you're one rogue infection away from having to shut the whole thing down again. So I know people were talking about potentially the NBA in Las Vegas, you know, an area that they know well, and also there's a lot of hospitality there that is that is pretty empty right now. That that might be a possibility, but again, it, it's it's the kind of idea that sounds really good and sounds really smart, but one any kind of misstep in the execution. And suddenly the whole thing falls apart. And my guess is that we're not going to see this plan executed by the NBA or even the NFL. What are your thoughts about the big three, that uh, sort of retired NBA player league three on three, where they're looking at putting some players in like a big brother type house uh, for some programming and also have them play basketball? I I mean, I think that is maybe potentially more reasonable just in that it's a much smaller segment of people. You know, if if it's one you know big house, that's great. You can't put you can't put the NBA in one big house, you know. And as much as you'd like to say that these guys can can perform and play games in front of minimal people, you know, there's still a, a large amount of people that have to film the games. There's referees. There's you know nutrition, towel, the whole thing. There, there's 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 not an easy way to do this with with minimal people, and and that's probably a little less true with the big three. I kind of like the big three idea, like kind of mixing sport and reality show in like a very brazen and open way, which is in my opinion, kind of what a lot of sports are now just without embracing it. But again, I just think the, the infrastructure and and manpower required for a, a big league like the NBA, you know, to, to do this undertaking would be so massive and so potentially risky just because, you know, again, you're, you're one sickness away from the whole thing coming down. Would I be overreacting if I thought that have we changed the way we view sports forever because of this life-changing moment with the virus now? I'm on Mark Cuban's side on this one. I think this is a dam of emotion that is going to be pent up. And when these games do return... I think it'll depend on location. Will people rush to Madison Square Garden where there are lots of cases in New York to to be next to 18,000 other people? I don't know. 
But I, again, always talk about scale and media and TV. Will the eyeballs be there in a big way for pro sports when they return? I am an emphatic yes on that. I, I think the, the big variable there is, is time. I think I agree with the damn idea if, you know, there are pro sports up and running in June or July. If it is significantly longer than that, I think that maybe changes things. And the one area where I do wonder if fan behavior may change, you know, especially if these leagues come back online and can't have fans. If we're in this kind of, you know, weird tail period of the virus where they feel comfortable holding the games, but they don't feel comfortable having 20,000 or 60,000 people in the stands around them doing it. I do wonder if it will maybe change his behavior around going to games Period. And, and, and the ticket world right now is going through a whole world of hurt. They're not the only ones, obviously. Um, but my guess is that the cost of tickets is going to go down significantly on the back end of this, because I do think that the first behavior to change may be the impetus to go to games, period. Just because I think for a lot of people, the idea of gathering in large crowds, even when it suddenly becomes safe, according to experts, is still going to be something that makes them a little uncomfortable. Well, I go by what Dr. Anthony Fauci said, and he said it the best. Nobody can set the timeline except the virus. The virus is going to set the timeline on when we can go back to some normalcy, and we'll see what happens. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan W. Williams. We are here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.